Welcome to Awaken to Grace. Today is a special edition because our discipleship pastor, Caleb Stone, is bringing the scripture today. This is the conclusion of a great series called The Battle Belongs to the Lord. And today, Pastor Caleb is going to walk us through the story of Gideon and the mighty victory that God brought because of his own glory. We're going to see how Gideon went from an army of 32,000 men down to an army of only 300. Why? Because God will not share his glory with anyone. He would not allow Israel to say, I have been rescued by my own hand. No, God is going to get his own glory. And that is why the battle belongs to the Lord. I know you're going to love today's preaching from Pastor Caleb Stone on this broadcast of Awaken to Grace. Judges chapter 6. We are going to be studying the tale of a man named Gideon. Gideon is an unremarkable man who didn't have much going for him. He was timid and afraid, quite frankly, a coward at times. But it was irrelevant to God because God saw within him, within Gideon, a judge to be used. In this period of time, Israel was finding itself caught in cycles of sin. What would happen is Israel would do evil in the sight of the Lord. It was typically idolatry. God would lower his defenses over Israel, delivering them into the hands of their enemies, and they would meet oppression. After that oppression, Israel would pray and call out to God to save them, and God would answer their calls and send a judge to redeem Israel, and then the cycle would begin anew. We find ourselves in such a cycle in Judges chapter 6, where Israel is oppressed by a tribe known as the Midianites, and we are going to learn exactly how the Lord will use our resources, or rather lack thereof, and still use them to glorify himself, to show that he is King of kings and he is Lord of lords. And a fair warning before we get started, I am what is known as the loud one among the preachers here. So I hope you got your amens and hallelujahs locked and loaded. Let us pray before we begin. Father, we thank you so much for this time that we have together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the wisdom that comes from your word. God, we are undeserving to be in your presence, Lord, but you are a kind and gracious and forgiving God. And Father, we thank you for your mercy and the sacrifice that was made for us, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would bless this service this morning. Holy Spirit, work within each of us. Open our ears to hear. Open our hearts to welcome the gospel, Lord. And if there is anyone within this room that does not know you, Lord, may they come to your throne and find peace, God, for you are the God of peace, as we shall learn today. Thank you, Lord, for all you have given us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Judges chapter 6, verse 1. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. Now, I'm not going to stop at each verse, but I feel the need to stop at this one point out some very important things. The Lord gave Israel into the hand of Midian. This implies that for as long as we are under the protection of God, 
the enemy cannot steal us away. They simply can't. When faced with the power of God, the armies of hell cannot stand. They are powerless against him. Now, it is up to us, however, to accept this protection from the Lord. It is our duty to follow God's commands, to worship him, to praise him. For when we deny the Lord, we are denying his protection. When we say, I don't need you, God, we say, I don't need your protection. I can handle this on my own. And so the Lord delivers us into the hands of the consequences of our decisions. Now take note of how long Israel was oppressed by Midian. They were there for seven years. We'll touch on that some more later. Continuing into verse 2. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. And they would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted. So that they laid waste the land as they came in. Now, Israel is outnumbered here by the tribe of Midian. Midian's numbers, the Bible describes, are like locusts. They can't be counted. Later on, it describes them as the sand and the seashore. There's, there's far too many for the people of Israel to take on by themselves. And the way the Midianites would oppress the people of Israel would be to take their food. Whenever the Israelites would plant their crops, the Midianites would come in and take their produce. They would take their sustenance. The enemy would deny the things that they need in order to survive. This is what happens when we choose to live outside the protection that God offers. When we decide, I don't need God anymore, the enemy now has free reign over our lives. We are defenseless. Without the armor of God, we are naked in our fight against the kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of darkness will come in. The enemy will come in and they will take the things that we need. They will take our desire for worship, our desire for prayer. They will invade our homes and our churches. And they will take these things that we need, our sustenance. But notice here what Israel does in their oppression. This is the cycle that we were in. Verse 6, And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. How often do we find ourselves in such a situation where we will do evil in the sight of the Lord and then when faced with the consequences of our actions, cry out for help? How long will we live in our sin knowingly acting like nothing is wrong, and then when the consequences come, then we turn to God. God is not a God to be worshipped only when we need something. He is not a genie to grant your wishes at your will. He is a God who is deserving of praise and worship. He is worthy of praise and worship in the highs of our lives as well as the lows in our lives. Now, the Lord answers Israel's cries. Their cries do not fall on deaf ears. But notice how the Lord 
answers their cries. Verse 7, when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Israel cries out for help to the Lord, and the Lord in his grace and mercy answers as he does with us when we cry out to the lord he responds he hears he is there he is a present help in times of trouble but the lord delivers not to israel soft and sweet words but a word of rebuke he tells israel i know what's going on with you i know the plight that you are in the troubles you are facing but you have not obeyed my voice You have fled from my protection. Israel probably felt a little awkward in this moment, as we typically do. But how many of us will avoid asking God, show me, Lord, what it is within me that breaks your heart? Rebuke me, God, for the sin that I commit. We shy away from from the Holy Spirit's conviction so much because we just want to feel good for our whole lives. We don't want the, the, the guilt that comes with our sin. We just want God to help us when we need him. I would like to invite you today to pray that prayer. Father, show me within me what it is that breaks your heart, Lord. Father, show me what it is that must be rebuked, God. Continuing into chapter 11, or into verse 11, sorry, we're about to be introduced to Gideon and hear the call the Lord has placed on his life. Verse 11, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abiah's right, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Before we go any further, let's understand where Gideon is in this moment. Remember, the Midianites oppressed Israel by taking from them their food, their sustenance. Gideon was threshing wheat, but he was doing this in a wine press. This is not where you would thresh wheat in these times. When you would thresh wheat, you would do so on a high hill so that the wind can come in. You would take your winnowing fork and hold it up high and let the wind come and separate the wheat from the chaff. In a wine press, you can't do that. There's no wind. Because it's typically either in a very low place or even indoors. So Gideon has no wind to work with in this moment. So what he's doing is very frustrating, very aggravating, and very humiliating. But he had to do this. Because if the Midianites found him with food, not only would they most likely, not only would they strip him of his food, they would most likely kill him. They would not allow him to make his food. Continuing to verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now, the angel of the Lord, what is that? That is not, if, you, if you're uh, new to scripture, that is not a typical angel. 
This is what many scholars believe, and I agree, to be what is called a theophany, or in this case, a Christophany. This is a pre-incarnation of Jesus Christ. This is not an angel. This is the Lord himself speaking to Gideon. God has stepped from his heavenly place and is speaking to Gideon directly. And he says to Gideon, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. As we see now, Gideon is anything but a man of valor. He is hiding from his enemies, doing his work in, in the shadows, not letting them see what he's doing. I have heard some preachers say that this was sarcasm from the Lord. That would be hilarious. Gideon's threshing wheat in a wine press, and Jesus walks up. Hey, tough guy. What's going on, Captain America? No, I don't believe that's what the Lord is doing here, though. I don't think he's making light of Gideon's plight. Because I think Jesus would understand that Gideon is most likely not in the mood for a laugh. It's the equivalent of you going up to somebody at their job, and they're having a long day saying, Hey, working hard or hardly working? And then they go, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, what Jesus is speaking to Gideon, almighty man of valor, it's not a joke. It's not sarcasm. He's not poking fun at Gideon. What he is speaking to Gideon is prophecy. He is calling Gideon by what he was created to be, not what he has been. The lesson to be learned here is that God is not concerned with what you were, what you have been, or what you are. He is concerned with what he has called you and created you to be. Before Gideon was ever born, I am. The Lord was there. The Lord had Gideon. In his mind, before Gideon was ever even created, before Gideon's family tree was ever even planted, the Lord knew Gideon, and he knew in this moment what Gideon was to become. Not a coward, not a failure, not a weak man, but a mighty man of valor. Praise God for having such compassion on us. Praise God for loving us in such a way that although we would sin against him and at times we would feel cowardly and at times we just don't feel like we're enough, no matter what the devil may call us or the world may name us, we are to be concerned with what God has created us to be. Be silent, the voice of darkness, and be loud, the voice of God, for his words ring true, for his prophecies are to come true always and forever. You are not what the devil has created you to be. You are what God has named you, and he has named you son. He has named you daughter. He has named you a child of the living God. Do not walk through this planet with your head hanging down at defeat, but with your hands raised high, praising the name of Jesus, because he is worthy, and that's what you were called to do. Verse 13, and Gideon said to him, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. 
Jesus just spoke a blessing into Gideon. Notice what he said. He said, the Lord is with you. That's a blessing. That's the greatest blessing we could ever receive. The Lord is with you. If this country were to collapse tomorrow and we lost every luxury we have here, we are still blessed because the Lord is with us. He shall never leave us nor forsake us. We have the greatest blessing. We have no need to whine and moan and groan and complain about not getting enough blessing. We've already gotten more blessing than we could ever deserve. The Lord spoke a blessing to Gideon, but Gideon's first response was, if we're so blessed, what's all this supposed to be? What's going on here? We're oppressed by the Midianites. They're taking our food. Where, where, where's the Lord? How often are we, when faced with any sort of inconvenience, to immediately just complain and whine? I'm not discrediting the suffering the Israelites are going through, and I'm not saying our plights we face here in this world are nothing. They hurt, of course. But we are blessed beyond measure. We are washed in the blood of the Lamb. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We ought to be thankful and praise God and worship Him for His grace and mercy. But the Lord, in his patience, answers Gideon as such. In verse 14, he says, And the Lord, tur the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. Gideon, in the midst of hiding his labor, after just complaining to Jesus, was still given his calling. How patient God is with us. Do you understand God would be completely just? He'd be completely justified if he were to wipe out this planet. We have sinned. We have fallen short of the glory of God. When Jesus was hanging on that cross, he would have been completely justified to, to call forth an army of angels with swords drawn and wipe this planet out from existence. But he's patient with us. Listen to me, if you feel guilt today from your sin, you don't need to feel guilt in this moment because you're still here. If you're hearing my voice today, then God is not finished with you just yet. You are still called to a greater work. You are called to be more than what you are. If you can hear me now, it is not too late. You can still turn back. The door is still open. God's arms are still hanging open, calling to you, come home. I want you here with me. I've prepared a place in my father's house for you. It's not too late, and it wasn't too late for Gideon. Go in this might of yours. Save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. The Lord has sent you. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what kind of disadvantage you're at. It doesn't matter how weak you think you are. It doesn't matter what you're calling yourself. Who you are does not matter as much as who has sent you. And who has sent you is the king of kings. 
who has sent you as Lord of Lords, Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. Verse 15, and Gideon said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. I am with you. What a glorious thing to hear from Jesus. I will be with you. Praise God. Lift high the mighty name of Jesus for walking with us through this fallen and sinful and hateful and corrupted world. We have nothing to fear. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we are to fear no evil. For his rod and his staff has comforted us because this battle belongs to the Lord and the Lord alone. Amen. Verse 17, and he said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will, I will stay till you return. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. When I first was saved, I was consumed by a crippling sense of guilt for my sin. I was overshadowed by my guilt, and I was afraid. When the Lord first ministered to me, I was afraid of what was to await for me. When I came to the realization that heaven and hell are very, very real places, I was terrified of what my final destination would be. But I will never, ever forget that one prayer service where I was standing in front of this altar and people started putting their hands on me and they prayed over me. And these weren't get well wishes. These weren't hoping things work out for you prayers. They were praying. They were, they were standing before the throne of God on my behalf. And in that moment, I felt the purest peace I had ever known up until that point. Within the grace of God, there is peace. When you are lost in your shame or your guilt or your fear or the troubles of this world, within God and God alone will you find peace. You won't find it in the pleasures of this world. 
or in the things that this culture, the society promotes, but only in the Lord. Gideon was afraid of the Lord, and the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. If you are fearful this morning, I'm here to tell you, you were made in the image of God. And as I said before, if you're hearing my voice right now, it is not too late. There is still a chance for you to come home. Not under condemnation, but under redemption and forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Verse 24, then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it Yahweh Shalom, or the Lord is peace. To this day, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abiah's rights. Gideon was given peace, and he worshiped God for the peace that he was given him, because God is the God of peace, which surpasses all understanding. Praise be to Lord Jesus. That night, the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old. How old was this bull? How long did the Midianites oppress Israel? That's not coincidence. He is not a God of coincidences. Seven years, a number of completion. This was planned. The Lord knew this was going to come. It is well within his hands. He knew exactly what was coming to this day. He was not worried in the slightest. Take your father's bull and the second bull seven years old and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it. And build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. Gideon received his calling. He knows the will of God. He knows it was God speaking it to him, and he knows what is commanded to him. Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel as one man. I will be with you. Gideon knows his calling now. But before he could go into his calling, the Lord sent him home. Why? To cut down the altar of Baal. Baal was a foreign god that was worshipped by other peoples in this time. And remember, Israel has found themselves in a cycle of worshiping other gods. This is what got them into their situation. And within Gideon's own house, in his own backyard, his father has an altar to a foreign god. Before Gideon could go into his calling, he had to go home and remove the idol that separated him and his family from God. There's a calling on your life this morning. You may not be a Billy Graham evangelist, but you have a calling on your life. There's a purpose on your life. You have a job to do. But as long as there is an idol in your home, you will not find this calling. As long as you are restricted by the idols that we have built, we will not go into our calling. So many people pray for God for their calling. They pray to God to deliver them into what God has made for them. But God is speaking to you now. I want you in your calling 
but you need to remove these things that you are worshiping instead of me. Now, in our modern culture, we'll use the excuse that we don't worship other gods. So we're not susceptible to idolatry. Yes, you absolutely are. We all are. If there is anything in your life that is more important to you than your walk with God, if there's anything in your life that you run to for peace before you run to God, instead of running to God, that is an idol. As innocent as it may seem. We have our, our hobbies that seem so innocent. We, we say, oh, it's an escape. I do this for an escape. I play video games as an escape. I go fishing for an escape. Your escape is God. Our escape is our fortress and our protector, Yahweh Shalom, the Lord of peace. We are to run to him before we run to anything else. So before Gideon could go into his calling, he had to cut down the altar to a foreign idol that was in his own home. Now watch what happens as a result. Verse 28, when the men of the town rose early in the morning, behold... The altar of Baal was broken down, and the Asherah beside it was cut down, and the second bull was offered on the altar that had been built. And they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the town said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die, for he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. When we stand against the idols of this world, we are faced with opposition. The church is not without its enemies. We live very comfortably here in America. It's easy for us to forget that overseas, you are not simply mocked or ridiculed for your faith in Christ. But in parts of this world, they will kill you for speaking the name of Jesus. Opposition is very real when we choose to stand for God. This is not an easy walk. But notice what happens here. As a result, they say to Joash, bring out your son that he may die, for he has broken down the altar of Baal. But Joash said to all who stood against him, will you contend for Baal, or will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him contend for himself, because his altar has been broken down. This was Joash's altar. This altar was in his home. He built it for Baal. But in seeing the faith of his son, in seeing the boldness of his son, he felt the need to stand for God as well. That cross over there by the baptistry, those of you that don't know, all the papers that are nailed to that cross, those are, those are prodigals. Those are names of loved ones that have strayed from the Lord. And we have prayed over every single name on that cross. And I firmly, I truly believe that God is working in the lives of every single one of them. And I believe that he is using us to introduce himself to those prodigals. If you have a loved one on that cross, if you have a loved one who is strayed from the Lord and you're scared for them, you don't need a clever argument, or a checkmate point. 
what you need to do is show your faith without fear. To boldly proclaim the name of Jesus. When people see the love of Jesus on display, they cannot stay away. When people see the love of Jesus working in people's lives, they will see how desperately they need it. Obedience is what is required of you. Obedience, following the commands of God, living out the word of God. We will not see our loved ones follow the word of God if we can't be bothered to do it ourselves. Verse 32, therefore on that day Gideon was called Jerubbaal, that is to say let Baal contend against him because he broke down his altar. Now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together and they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon and he sounded the trumpet and the Abiasrites were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh and they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, to Zebulun, and Naphtali. And they went up to meet them. At this moment, Gideon is now gathering his army. Gideon knows the will of God. Gideon has torn down the idols in his way. And now the Spirit of the Lord is with him. The Spirit of the Lord clothed him, it says in Scripture. Remember, when you go into your calling, you do not go without the Holy Spirit. He is with you. He's walking beside you. He is by your side. You are not in this alone. And we're going to skip down to chapter 7 now. Then Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. At this point, Gideon has an army of 32,000 soldiers. 32,000 men he has to fight the Midianites. The Midianites had, we'll say, well over hundreds of thousands of men. So even at these numbers with 32,000, Israel was very, very safely outnumbered, to say the least. But Gideon has gathered his army, and now he's ready. Here we go. It's fight night. It's time to go. This is it. This is the calling. This is what the Lord has called him to do. Gideon is ready. He has the spirit of the Lord clothing him. He has an army of 32,000 people behind him. He just saw his father, Joe Ash, display his faith in front of these men who just wanted to kill him. He's ready to go. It's time. Verse 2, the Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many. The people with you are too many. What? That was Gideon's reaction. He's got 32,000 men behind him, and he's already outnumbered. I imagine Gideon saying, in, 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 in what universe is this too many? I was about to ask you for more. But this is what the Lord said. He said, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Let's 
cut our pride down for just a moment and remember this is not about us. Not really. This battle is the Lord's. This battle is to his glory, not ours. You ever find yourself in a battle and it seems that God is, it appears he's working against you. He's cutting down your resources. Okay, there's a reason for that. It's because if you go in the resources you had, you're going to give glory to yourself. I did this. It's all me. You know what I like about Chad? I never hear him say, I built this church. This is the Lord's church. This is his house. We are not to boast to ourselves whenever we accomplish something. We are to give glory to God and God alone. So God has decided that Gideon has way too many people. Verse 3, now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. 22,000 of his army, over two-thirds of his army is gone. I have a question for our veterans in here who served in our armed forces. God bless you. When you were in the military and you said to your command, if you ever said to your commanding officer, you know, I'm just not feeling it today. You wouldn't have had a good day, would you? I didn't think so. It doesn't make much sense for God to tell the people who are afraid, go home. But he did. But it simply doesn't make sense to us in this moment. Notice, or, or I'm sorry, remember what happened when Gideon displayed his faith to his father and inspired his father and bolstered his father. The same can happen with fear. If you are a father or a mother this morning and your children see you faithful, they will be faithful. If your children see you fearful, they will be fearful. Fear is just as contagious as faith. 22,000 were afraid. 10,000 of them were ready to go. 22,000 were a little trepidatious about the whole thing. If there were 22,000 of these warriors panicking, afraid, not knowing what to do, or where they are, or why they're doing this, caught up in their fight-or-flight instincts, the other 10,000 would have followed suit. Now, verse 4, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Gideon's reaction is most likely very frustrated and very confused. He said, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And any one of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And any one of whom I say, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men who lapped, I will save you 
and give the Midianites into your hand, and let all the others go, every man to his home. So the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the 300 men. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Gideon has gone from 32,000 men down to 10,000 men, now on to 300 men. Keep in mind, he is fighting an army of hundreds of thousands. This is impossible. This doesn't make any sense to Gideon. It doesn't make any tactical sense for God to remove more of his soldiers. And the test in the water may seem confusing to us, but in these days, it actually made quite a bit of sense. You see, in this time, if you were to stop and drink water in the army of Israel, you were to do so as the 300 did with your weapon still in your hand, scooping the water up with your other hand, bringing it to your head. The reason they did this is because in doing this, your weapon's still in your hand, and you can still look around. You're still ready to fight. Had they dropped their weapons and knelt down and put their face in the water, they would have been at a tactical disadvantage should the enemy come. The lesson there is to always carry your weapon with you and to always be on the lookout for the enemy, for they are coming. They are coming. The, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. We have to be ready for a fight at all times. They are going to come after you when you think you don't need to fight. You're spending time with your family. You got a good amount of money. Whatever it is, wherever you find yourself comfortable, if you let your guard down, you will be defenseless when the enemy comes to attack you. Keep the word of God, our weapon, the sword of the spirit. Keep that in your hearts. Always be ready for a fight, just like how Jesus fought when he was tempted in the desert. When Satan was tempting him, he fought back with Scripture. Keep Scripture in your heart. Be ready for a fight at all times, because the enemy is coming, and we must be ready. So now Gideon is down to 300 men. Verse 9, that same night, the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant. And you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance. And their camels were without number as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. Gideon is most certainly afraid with his 300 men versus the hundreds of thousands he faces ready to kill him. Verse 13, when Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. And he said, behold, I dreamed a dream and behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, this is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given it, has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. This soldier, this Midianite soldier had a dream that a cake of barley bread tumbled and struck down the camp of Midian. 
If you don't know what barley is, this is what the poor ate in these days. It was the lowest quality of bread. That bread was representative of Gideon. Remember what Gideon said. He was the lowest on the totem pole. In this food chain, he was at the very bottom. My, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. He was the barley bread in this moment against the camp of Midian, as abundant as the sands on the seashore. But this soldier had a dream that this lowly cake of barley bread tumbled and destroyed the camp of Midian. Once again, it is irrelevant how pitiful you think you are. It doesn't matter how lowly you see yourself because in God's eyes, you are loved. You are not the least of the least. You are God's child. And he is calling you to strike down the camp of the enemy. As I said before, we are in a war. This isn't just a season of battle. We are in the midst of a war spanning across dimensions. We are fighting the kingdom of darkness. This is war. Verse 15. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped. And he turned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the hosts of Midian into your hand. And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. And you can probably tell how this story ends. Gideon and his 300 men charging down a camp of enemies that outnumbered him comically, hilariously. This wasn't even supposed to be a battle. But Gideon and his 300 men with the Lord on their side charged the camp of Midian and struck down the enemy. One man with God has the advantage. One man with God has the advantage. Your resources may seem little now, but you are not without the tools needed for victory. You are not lost. You are not alone. You are not in this fight all by yourself, but the Lord is with you. Let's remember what that means. This is the God who created all that was created. This is the God who splits the seas, who makes the lame walk, who makes the blind see, who makes dead men come alive, who can turn a valley of dry bones into an army of worshipers. This is God, the Almighty. This is Yahweh, Shalom. And this battle does not belong to you. It does not belong to the enemy. It does not belong to the 300 men you have at your side. But this battle belongs to the Lord. This is His day. This is His fight. This is His victory. When Jesus hung on that cross, 
He did not say this is just the beginning. He does not say the war rages on. He said it is finished. Prophecy is fulfilled. The Word of God rings true. The enemy on this day has been defeated. Praise be to the God of Israel, to the God of Jacob, to the God of peace who stands triumphant over all things. The enemy is powerless, completely and utterly powerless, staring down an endless grave of fire and brimstone. This is the wrath of God on display, spared only for his enemies. Woe be to the, to the dregs of hell, the enemies of those whom God calls son and daughter. For this battle is the Lord's and his retribution is just. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. You are not alone. You are far from alone. You are far from it because what is with you, the one being who stands above all the creation, you have him in your army. And it doesn't matter if all seven billion people on this planet stand against you and the one third of the angels that fell have joined with them. It simply does not matter because God is God. God is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Alpha and Omega. Praise be to you, Lord Jesus. We're going to open this altar now. If you've come here this morning facing any kind of battle, any kind, I don't care how big or small it may be, if you are facing a battle and you come to this altar and you lay it at the throne of God and we have people here who will pray with you, we have men who will pray with men and women who will pray with women, you bring your battle to the Lord and leave it in the hands of the Lord of hosts. Do not wait. You come. You come, you kneel at this altar. If it's a financial burden, if it's a lost loved one, whatever it may be, if you have a battle, you don't wait, you come. You come right now. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus, then this is the day. This is the day to come to repentance. This is the day to come home because he is not waiting to punish you. He's waiting to save you. He is waiting for you to come home because this is where you belong. Glory be to the Lord of hosts. Glory be to the God of peace, for he is worthy. We declare on this day, the battle is the Lord's. If you have a need, whatever it may be, you come to this altar and you pray, and we'll have people who will pray with you. Father, thank you. Father, we bless your holy name. Father, we praise you, for you are worthy to be praised. Father, there are needs to be met right now. There are troubled minds and broken hearts in this room right now, Lord. There are lost souls and crushed dreams, Lord. But within your hands, God, they are more. Within your hands, we are more than what this world says we are. You have called us son. You have called us daughter. You have called us a child of the living God. We proclaim in this moment, Lord, that these battles brought before you 
are one in Jesus' name. We declare these battles belong to the Lord in Jesus' name. The chains have been broken. The camps have fallen. The enemy has been slain in Jesus' name. Father, for those of us that feel so insignificant and ill-prepared, bless us with your peace, Lord. Bless them with your peace, Lord, and speak unto them, do not be afraid. You shall not die. You shall not die. Do not be afraid. Grant them this peace that you gave to Gideon, this peace that you have shown to so many of us, Lord, for these troubled minds, God, these broken hearts. May they be made new in your image, Lord. We are your children, God. So bless, bless, Lord. Bless these troubled hearts. For this battle belongs to you. If you're praying at this altar, continue praying. If you're not, would you please just stand with me? Let us pray worship to the Lord. Let us lift our hands and worship him. Father, we worship you. Father, we praise you. For you are worthy, Lord. You are worthy of every demon that has come against us this morning, Lord. And together, God, we declare your righteous and absolute victory, God. We declare the battle is the Lord's. So we worship you, Jesus, undefeated and unrivaled. You who stood and stared down hell, death, and the grave and emerged victorious. You who was hung on a cross and carried to your tomb, walked right back out, Lord. The grave has been defeated. Sin has been defeated. Hell has been defeated. Shame has been defeated. Declare this with me, church. This battle is the Lord's. We worship you, Jesus, for hope has a name. Love has a name. Freedom has a name. Liberation has a name. Salvation has a name. And that name is Jesus, Yeshua of Nazareth, Yahweh Shalom, Lord, the God of peace. You are victorious and we worship you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for being all that you are. Thank you for being so righteous and so perfect and so patient with us, Lord. Thank you for your forgiveness, God. Thank you for your peace, God. We could not deserve this. We could not earn this. But yet still you look upon us with love and not anger. Thank you, Jesus. We surrender our battles to you, Lord. And as we leave here this morning, Lord, may we remember not just throughout the day or the week or the month or the new year, Lord. May we remember all the days of our lives that the Lord is good. 
and that the battle belongs to you, Lord. You are righteous, Jesus, and we worship you. Thank you for all you have given us, Lord.